When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forty, your host this week, and I'm joined, as always, by our royal editor, Russell Myers. Hi, Russell, how are you? Very well, good afternoon. Now, we've got an awful lot to get through today. We've got a packed schedule, but before we start, I was having a little look at my forward planning stuff yesterday and noticed that it is Sophie Wessex's birthday tomorrow or today and then I suddenly thought hmm that rings a bell because you you might have mentioned it so is it your birthday tomorrow and when the podcast comes out Thursday today it might be well done (laughs) (laughs) well happy birthday thank you very much and happy birthday to the Countess of Wessex no less (laughs) Buzz Aldrin I also share my birthday with Gary Barlow of Take That fame is uh you know all the great and the good all the all the good ones so are we allowed to ask we won't ask what the number is actually but have you got anything nice planned fun things I don't know, you know, because I was a bit worried about all the coronavirus restrictions. So I haven't planned anything. I think my wife is up to something because uh, she's not a very good liar. And she's been, <laughs> she's been smirking a lot when I've been trying to uh, um, question her about what we're doing. Anyway, I, I am going to spend the day hopefully not working too hard. And uh, and I'll, I'll try and enjoy the weekend. But thank you very much for remembering. That's very sweet. Is, is this your way of saying you're spending it privately with family. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I'll be putting out a statement by my yeah. people. <laughs> Lovely. And obviously, we were chatting about sharing royal birthdays last week, and as we both predicted, we've we've been beaten in times of the more royal, more senior royals than us. So there's uh, Sharon Ann who shares her birthday with Kate, Elizabeth oh. White who shares it with child with Prince Charles, and she also says, which I'm not sure. This is one of these things that I'm probably going to regret saying, but she says her birthdays always a bit ruined every year by the fact that the date that her birthday and prince charles falls is exactly nine months after valentine's day so i didn't think of that oh my word so there we go that's that's something about prince charles's birthday that i'm gonna try and i think wow wow that's Um, that's in the memory now yeah and someone else did message in to say that she shares her birthday with the queen but i can't find the message so i'm really sorry but whoever that was we've definitely been beaten to the the birthday um, birthday bingo birthday bingo there we go 
Right now, we will get straight into it today because, as I mentioned, we've got an awful lot to get through. So we will start, obviously, last week's show, we ended up recording a late drop-in because we had the decision from the judge uh, about the fact that it was going to go to trial. But then, kind of a few hours after that, there was a statement from Buckingham Palace uh, detailing changes to the Duke of York's titles. So it said, with the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages have been returned to the Queen. The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. Now, I'll admit, I was a bit surprised to have this now. I thought we'd wait for this change until the case had all been done and dusted and we had a final outcome. But why, why did we have this statement at the end of last week? Well, I think you'd be forgiven for thinking that because it's gone on for so long that surely um, a lot of people were saying, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that the fact that we had to do that drop-in was because the New York District Judge Lewis Captain has decided, has ruled that Prince Andrew should face a full civil trial, we believe, later on in the autumn. And of course, these are to do with the allegations from Virginia Guffray, who is claiming that she was forced to have sex with the uh, the Duke of York on three occasions in 2001, once she was being trafficked around the world by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, now, Prince Andrew has always denied these allegations vehemently and consistently, but it seems that uh, his lawyers haven't done um, uh, as well, as good a job as that they had hoped in order to get this case dismissed. Now, it has been rumbling on for such a long time. And indeed, these allegations have been, you know, surfaced sort of seven years ago, way back in 2015, we were first hearing of them. Um, there wasn't, hasn't ever been any criminal charges. There's not been um, any reason for uh, for Prince Andrew to to speak to the FBI because he wasn't being subpoenaed or he wasn't being requested to as a as part of a criminal trial. He was expected to speak to them as part of a um, their investigations into Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Certainly the FBI were making quite a big uh, noise in, in the United States, speaking at press conferences, speaking on the steps of Jeffrey Epstein's mansion, saying that they wanted to discuss um, certain issues relating to both Epstein and Maxwell's cases uh, with Prince Andrew as a witness. So where are we now? We are in the position that Prince Andrew has really, I believe, reached the end of the line in, t in terms of trying to s settle um, or trying to, to, you know, to, to stop a trial going ahead. He hasn't been able to do it thus far. Um, I, I do believe, and I have written about it, we revealed, gosh, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, that it's almost like a last, last-ditch effort that they are going to try, his team are going to try and use something called a domicile argument. And I think I touched upon this last week, and I'll just explain it very briefly, that the domicile argument is set in federal law, and it depends on your interpretation of it. Now, um, Judge Lewis Kaplan has said that he doesn't believe that this is a point of order in this case. Uh, essentially, he's you know, thrown it out before they could even argue it. But Andrew's team are going to go back to the judge and suggest that federal law, under federal law, you must have at least one of the parties domiciled in the United States. Now, um, Virginia Gaffray is a United States citizen, but she has been living in Australia since 2002. Of course, Prince Andrew is a British citizen and lives in Britain. 
Now, whether it's it's open to, to interpretation, of course, um, one would imagine that Andrew's lawyers are f- trying to find every trick in the book, and they've certainly tried to um, to throw everything at it thus far and haven't been successful. So the, the, the final date for Virginia Gaffray to give account of where she lives, again, we understand she's been living in Australia for the past um, yeah, 10 or so years, uh, 20 years rather, um, is that uh, was 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 last February? Sorry, let me do that again. So the last date that is uh, quite specific was last Friday, January fourteenth, and that was the deadline for Virginia Gaffray to give account of where she lives. Now she's been living in Australia for the last twenty years, but of course is still a U.S. citizen. So it, again, it will go before the judge if they decide to use this last ditch argument i don't think it would be successful because the judge has thrown it out um in the in the first instance so you know where does that leave prince andrew there's been a lot of talk about whether he will have to settle this case um it's going to cost him an awful lot of money if he does want to settle and even then why would virginia gaffray choose to settle she's already we presume um, very wealthy in order uh, due, due to the two settlements that she's received from Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein thus far. So she has said herself that you know she's been emboldened by this uh, result, by this decision by the judge to award a civil trial. Um, so on a what one may think, why would she settle at this juncture? And of course, she needs to agree to settle. Uh, it's not just a, a case of you know Prince Andrew deciding how much to write a cheque for and uh, and it all being over. I think that that chance has well passed us by. So I do think that this will go to trial. But you can bet your bottom dollar that his team will be trying absolutely everything in order to make sure he does not have to take the stand or indeed have anything to do with the civil trial. Of course, he can even choose to ignore it. He can say, I don't want to engage with it. The court will probably find against him in absentia. What does that mean? That means there'll probably be an award of um, of money in Virginia Gaffray's favour, and then she needs to pursue him once more through the courts to try and get that award and to try and you know <laughs> sort of conclude the case. Um, so it, you know we do have an awful long way to go. Back to the sort of recent news about why the Queen has decided to wield the axe, as it were. Um, I think this is really because the, uh, you know, it's the end of the line. As it was put to me um, from palace sources, saying that the Queen, Charles and Prince William all decided that Prince Andrew had run out of Rome. And I think that that is, you know, exactly what we've been speaking about. The chance has gone for him to dismiss this case. They've tried everything. It hasn't worked. He's been told he's got to face a trial. And so with the pressure that brings, the fact that a member of the royal family will have to be fighting a civil lawsuit on such serious allegations as this is not only potentially embarrassing for the the Queen and the rest of the royal family, it's potentially catastrophic because this is absolutely unprecedented that you are... um, having a member of the royal family, a senior member of the royal family, having to not only step back from his duties, but also having to potentially defend himself in a foreign court of law on allegations such as this. And I will say again that, you know, Prince Andrew and his team have not only consistently denied this, they've also said that he is going to continue to fight 
to defend his name and clear his name. So, you know, where does that leave us? I mean, again, my my understanding of this was that, um, just to give you a bit of a timeline, I think on Thursday morning at around 7, 8 o'clock US time on the East Coast, which would put us about midday in the UK, Prince Andrew and his team were informed that the judge was going to deliver his decision at around uh, 9, 9.30. So they were given a heads up. That's you know absolutely fine. Both both sides would have been given the opportunity to to be told that before the public statement. Now Prince William was already doing an investiture um, at Windsor Castle, and I was told, indeed, wrote exclusively in Daily Mirror that Prince William was then summoned to see the Queen in her private quarters after his investiture. He went to see her um, just after midday. Was and was was there about till about 1.30. Um, and it was then decided, you know, with the Queen and Prince Charles, who the Queen had spoken to over the phone, um, that it was time for Andrew to step back and to essentially strip him of his military titles and remaining royal patronages. Now, you, you, you'll remember that a lot of the charities um, dumped him when the first, after the news nights, uh, catastrophic interview that he gave and then there was sort of this cascade of charities that were dumping him afterwards so it's really the sort of final indignity for him I think that, that certainly the, the senior members of the royal family were hoping that he would potentially step back himself that they wouldn't you know the queen wouldn't need to take such drastic action but um, again coming back to that 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 quote from from someone that I spoke to that the, the decision between the queen Charles and William was certainly that he had run out of road and that there was no other option. Um, and quite tellingly, in the statement um, that was put out, it, it, you know, it spoke about, um, you know, with the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages have been handed, uh, sorry, have been returned to the Queen. Well, I think that's putting it mildly. They, they were certainly strict with him. <laughs> um, it was, Andrew's team were really trying desperately hard to brief that um, he, he, you know, he was fully aware of what was happening. I mean, imagine he knew the writing was on the wall, but I, I dare say that when, once, you, once he was summoned to the Queen, that there was, there was no other way forward for him. So, um, and again, you know, uh, he will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. So certainly the Royal Family have washed their hands of him. I mean, they've been trying to do that for, for many, many months. I mean, Buckingham Palace weren't responding to any um, questions about his state, his his state, and about his case, and they were all being referred to by um, by a private law firm and private communications firm. So, where does he go now? I mean, he, he we'll, we'll wait and see, and we'll see if his legal team do put forward this uh, this other motion about the domicile argument if they don't succeed in that then they're going to have quite a big job of um persuading virginia Guffray to settle because uh, i don't i think from the language from what she's been tweeting and speaking to people you know from her camp that that is definitely not in their thinking right now of course her lawyer has said that it's always on the table but um you know i think it's gone this far so i, I do think she definitely wants her day in court and Andrew was said to be 
really upset by this decision, weren't there? There's been lots of different reports in different newspapers, including stories that you've written about him being very upset. Some people saying that there were tears, you know, when he was speaking to other people about it. What have you heard on his reaction? Well, of course, I mean, it's again, it's the final indignity. He's, he's tried his hardest to to try every which way. You've had his, his his legal team trying every trick in the book to try and get this case dismissed. They haven't succeeded. I mean, the wall of silence defense that he's been putting up was widely um, admonished by the rest of the royal family. They thought that that was quite a ludicrous position to, to take on. And uh, and, it, and it, again, it doesn't seem to have been the, the best tact because of the result that he finds himself in. So. You know, he's got two very, very expensive legal teams. I mean, I, I've been told the figures are around two to three million so far. I mean, the Times is reporting that the, the legal fees are as much as five million and counting at the moment. So if you've got that money, let's say that's five, five million, he has to pay six million pounds off on his uh, Swiss chalet debt. That, uh, again, I, there's been a lot of reports about where he's getting his money from in order to pay his legal fees. Well, he's got to sell this Swiss chalet that he bought um reportedly with some of the queen's money well then let's say he's he's left with 10 million from that well any settlement or um award from the court that he was given is going to be potentially in the region of 10 million pounds and when i these sort of figures were being banded around um i checked them out myself and, and that is exactly what you know the legal experts are saying is the ballpark figure of what could be awarded or what any potential settlement that could be agreed. Um, again, I point you to Virginia Gaffray's um, comments on Twitter and what she was saying uh, through her legal advisors that they weren't looking to settle at the moment. They were looking to, to, to take this all the way to the court. Virginia Gaffray has has really been very consistent in that. So um, I'm just going to read you some of her tweets, actually, because I think it's quite, quite good for context. She said um, after the ruling, she said, I'm pleased with Judge Kaplan's ruling yesterday that allows my case against Prince Andrew to go forward. I'm glad I will have the chance to continue to expose the truth. And I am deeply grateful to my extraordinary legal team. Their determination helps me seek justice from those who hurt me and so many others. My goal has always been to show that the rich and powerful are not above the law and must be held accountable. I do not walk this path alone, but alongside countless other survivors of sexual abuse and trafficking. So I think that's pretty clear. I think that if she did settle, it would be quite surprising. And you know, it's one way traffic as far as her legal team are concerned. But um, you know, what does this mean for Prince Andrew? Well, it means we'll never see him uh, with frontline royal duties again. I think that was always pretty clear but if there was any doubt that he would be involved in the platinum jubilee celebrations well they've been completely wiped off the map um and certainly he he had been hoping to um you know that that was a possibility i did see a report in one of the newspapers that he's you know planning some type of comeback but i i think it's far too premature to be even thinking about that to be honest i mean if he was to win his case then of course there would be some um there would be talk of, of of him being able to rehabilitate his character, but it's not it's not only to do with the fact that this case it's to do with his manner, it's to do with the handling of the Newsnight interview, it's to do with the wall of silence, um, and I just generally think that he's 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 run out not only run out of road he's run out of allies, um, and it's uh, it must be quite a lonely place for him at the moment. But 
Again, um, he's, defend, he's, he's, he's denied all these allegations and, uh, and he will continue to do so and will continue to try and clear his name. So I suppose we have to wait and see what will happen. One of the things I found particularly interesting about this is, again, as we saw when Meghan and Harry decided they were going to quit the rules and the conversations that went on behind the scenes around that, is that William was very involved and it was the Queen, Charles and William, you know, as that trio making these decisions together. And I think it just showed, in my mind, that William really is now kind of very set in that role as the kind of third, third in charge and he he's making or part of the big decisions that will affect how the royal family looks in years to come and you know shaping the future of it rather as well as dealing with the now well you're totally right and 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 of course that is so prevalent because it's it's not only his future it's his children's future and again if mm. if public opinion turns against the whole monarchy um then, and I think that that's, you know, it's public perception, isn't it? The court of public opinion weighs heavily in this case. And so therefore, the Queen didn't have an option. You, of course, she's had to act now because I think Andrew's position, his reception is not only in the gutter, it's threatening to, it threatens the whole fabric of the monarchy. Of course, there will be a chance for him to be rehabilitated if he wins his case and, you know, the case breaks down. If, if something happens that, once again, and of course we should have the presumption of innocence before proven guilty, but I think it's to do with the manner that this has been handled and the way, and the public perception of not only Prince Andrew, but how the monarchy have handled this. Anyway, they, they have taken such action. And I think it's quite interesting that after I wrote this story, revealing how Prince William had gone to the Queen's private quarters you know, before anybody knew um, about the, the, judge, the judge's decision to, to order trial. William was with the Queen making these decisions that will affect the future of the monarchy. Of course, Charles was involved um, and quite telling that the palace was heavily briefing against the, uh, you know, our story once it all came out, which has then since been further backed up by Private Eye in the, in the UK. Uh, who just today in, the, in, in, in a very good piece said it was um, Charles's eldest son who struck the final blow. And that was certainly my understanding that William had a, a central role in this. Um, perhaps the, the palace wanted to detract, not detract from the fact that it was the Queen's decision. Of course it was the Queen's decision. Of course Charles was fully uh, consulted. But you know we can't underestimate William's position in this because... You know, the, the the monarchy has to protect their future and that is William's future it is his children's future and I think that William is acutely aware of his position and um, and he's probably more aware than any other member of his family of of the power of um, of how the how the public is perceived um, especially in today's society especially and this is why Kate and William and the younger members of the family are more in tuned with what is going on and more in tune with um with people's feeling and sentiment and i don't think it's a mistake that he was front and center making these decisions with the queen and just very quickly then there's been lots of different reports about jubilee medals 
So yes. Can you fill it well, in I can clear this up. I can clear this up, and you know, yeah, for I'm the, very confused. I've yes, read about I, four different headlines that all contradict each other. Yes. Now, I will give a shout out to my esteemed colleague Richard Palmer of the Daily Express because he actually revealed this last week, and there has been some confusion with uh, with other other um, newspapers and reporters sort of putting a cat amongst the pigeons saying that they you know they weren't going to get these jubilee medals now just for a bit of context the jubilee medal will be awarded to around 400,000 people and that goes to 999 crews sort of our frontline emergency workers prison staff and members of the armed forces all for their public service so the reason why the sort of the, it was all muddled because there was a, a report saying that because they've had their military titles stripped away from them, because they're no longer associated with the military, that Andrew and Harry um, would not necessarily get the Jubilee Medal. However, as per tradition, the Queen has given medals for her Golden Jubilee, uh, Diamond Jubilee, and this Platinum Jubilee to the family. And she pays for them out of her own pocket, and she gives them as a special memento to her family. So... People such as Pete Phillips, Zara, Mike Tyndall, Beatrice, Eugenie have got them. Even though they carry out no official duties, they will be given the medals and Andrew and Harry will receive them this and time. Megan. Yes, and Megan, yeah, and 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 the husbands of um, Beatrice and Eugenie, for instance. It's all part of the family. It's all part of, you know, being part of the firm, I suppose, take it. So, or the, you know, the wider royal family. Now, the, the issue is that William and Harry, oh, sorry, sorry, Harry and Andrew will not be able to wear them on their uniforms. However, they're not going to be wearing their uniforms anyway because they've had their military titles taken away from them and they won't be wearing their ceremonial dress at any function. So it's all a bit of a, a muddle. I think what we can just clear up is that the Queen will still award these Jubilee medals to Prince Andrew and Prince Harry, despite them being stripped of their military titles. And uh, you know, the fact that they had no longer been eligible for them under their sort of armed forces role is neither here nor there because the Queen's going to give them as a little memento. So they'll be kept in the back of the wardrobe, I suppose. Lovely. That sounds very nice. I hope that... Mike Tyndall will have his on display with all his rugby things, I imagine. That's what I hope, where I hope his one's going, if they get one too. Now, really quickly, um, because I've mentioned we've got an awful lot to get through, but we mentioned last week that Russell uh, would be able to answer any questions you had about this extremely complex case. So we have had a few um, in. So Henny Swims wants to know why it's a, why isn't it a criminal case? Okay, well, Henny, um, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think we can deduce from the fact that the FBI and any sort of US authorities, and indeed the Met Police, have said that there is no case to answer, that it has not breached the, the burden of possibility that a crime has been committed. Now, whether the, after this civil trial, we may you know, find out more uh, evidence, there may be more information that comes to light, witnesses and so forth, that the FBI it does prick their interest and that they do decide to look into it is a, a, a possibility. I don't know. However, the FBI and, uh, and other authorities have always said that Prince Andrew wasn't involved in a criminal prosecution. He was only asked to be uh, to, to, to book an appointment to speak to them as a witness in their investigations to do with Jeffrey Epstein and Galen Maxwell. He has so far not made those appointments, we understand. However, he's now busy fighting this civil trial that he will uh, no doubt have to, 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 to defend himself in the autumn if it goes ahead. So 
you know, it could happen. It's not. It's not a criminal case. The, the interesting thing, uh, again, I'm speaking layman's terms, is that the the burden of proof is is um, is diminished in a civil trial. So you, it doesn't need to be beyond a reasonable doubt. I think is you know, what a criminal trial would look into. It just needs to be a possibility in a civil trial. So, which is quite interesting to see how that will be played out in the court. So, again, Prince Andrew really does have quite a job on his hands to then uh, to defend it. Of course, we don't know what witnesses are being. Um, all witnesses being called we've had interesting enough we've had a few of the details of who they're going to call prince andrew and his team um have uh, are well in their rights to, to to question virginia guffray's um account of things that they have asked to interview um or to cross-examine her husband they've also asked to cross-examine her her therapist her psychologist because they believe that she is suffering from um you know a lapse in memory that she's believing certain falsehoods because of she's confused because of her trauma as a um, as a uh, sex abuse victim um and so you know what, what how will that play out on, on the stand virginia gaffrey's team have asked to um speak to a lady called shukri walker who i again revealed, I think it was last October that she was willing to take the stand and her lawyer, Lisa Bloom, has said publicly this week that she will agree to testify and Shukri Walker was a lady who claims that she stood on Prince Andrew's toe on the dance floor of Tramp nightclub. If you remember, Virginia Gaffray claimed that Prince Andrew was sweating so profusely, he was gross and she was forced to dance with him on the night that then she was forced to have sex with him at Ghislaine Maxwell's Belgravia house. So, um, you know, where do we go from here? I'm sure there will be an awful lot more people. Quite interestingly, um, it was mentioned that Princess Beatrice could be one of the people who may be asked to testify. She has so far not been asked. Um, there were some reports saying that they... Uh, that it wasn't necessarily the the plan of her legal team to be questioning or to summon her. So I'm sure there'll be an awful lot more witnesses to, to come forward. So again, we're, we're watching this space intently. Cool. Next question. If Prince Andrew is now, if he's fighting this as a private citizen, if he is seen as a private citizen without his titles, will that make any changes to his funding? Well, I think my, you know, again, my understanding was that he is he is paying for this himself. That's why the, his legal bills are, bills are so huge, um, and any settlement would have to be met himself as well. My understanding was that the Queen, in quotes, would not assist with any financial settlement. And you know, just reading between the lines here, because I know that this has been reported elsewhere that the Queen would be asked to help out um i imagine she might be asked whether she would pay is another problem because what does it look like if for instance th um hypothetically if a settlement was to be reached um or, or, or the judge decides you know the judge or the and jury decide that he is uh he's guilty in this civil case and that he must pay um reparations what does it look like if the Queen is to make those that payment? If it's several million pounds paid to a sex abuse victim on behalf of her son, who is an an alleged, allegedly guilty of these um, allegations, then uh, then I, I think that would look particularly bad for the royal family. But um, again, we uh, we don't know the, the the specific details. All I can say is I have been 
told on very, very good authority that Prince Andrew is meeting the costs himself, which is why he's selling this Swiss mansion that we saw Fergie and the uh, and the girls and their families at last week having a final hurrah before they need to flog it and pay the debt off on the house get 10 million or so in the bank um you know whether whether that is the queen's money or his it's uh, it was owned by prince andrew and he's going to has to have very very deep pockets just to pay his own legal bills at this stage and finally is the queen being protected from any of the goings on or is she being told everything no i mean the queen is the boss she is the number okay. one um and again i was yeah. making the decisions yeah, of course yeah and I, I, not to down play the, the other two um, heirs involvement Charles and William both had a very big hand in this and and certainly it was very good uh, pieces at the weekend both in the Sun and Sunday Times speaking about how um, the decisions were t- being discussed around Christmas time there was a potential going to be a sort of Sandringham summit too before um, with the Queen and the rest of the family certainly that Anne and Edward had been told ahead of time about Andrew being stripped of his military titles and patronages um and we're in agreement that it the time had come so i, I think yeah there will have been discussions certainly years are, are integral to those discussions but the, the the queen is still very very much on top of absolutely everything and she is the one who uh, as i said wielded the axe told him that he was being forced to to step down they were being stripped of these titles being stripped from him and um you know she's the boss now, before we move on from Prince Andrew, we the, the weirdest story, I think, of this week, which I'm still not entirely sure I've got over yet, um, teddy bears, Prince Andrew's teddy bears and the exclusive story that was in the Sun newspaper. That's an extraordinary what? story. <laughs> Absolutely extraordinary. Well, this has come from a documentary that... Um, that I actually featured in. But uh, Blinken, you'd miss me, I think. I, well, I don't think I was in it for very long, giving, giving my uh, expert opinion. But this was part of an ITV um, uh, documentary called Galen, Prince Andrew and the Pedophile. And it aired on Tuesday night in the UK. I imagine it will be screened elsewhere because it's got, uh, it's got some fantastic coverage over here. It was by one of my colleagues, Ranveer, um, over at Good Morning Britain. And she was... Uh, gave a very very good account of sort of the the intricacies and the how the relationships between Glenn Maxwell who has recently been convicted of uh, of sex trafficking and is facing 65 years in jail her relationship with Prince Andrew they knew each other from her days at Un- you know, back at Oxford University when she was you know very very high society was in inviting him to all these weird and wonderful parties and of course the paedophile being Jeffrey Epstein who was her former lover and a former associate uh, by proxy of knowing Ghislaine Maxwell of uh, of Prince Andrew so fascinating to see but um, very very bizarrely that one of the, the, the more extraordinary claims came out of this was a former police officer who was uh, in charge of guarding Buckingham Palace and, and claims to have been um, responsible for Prince Andrew's apartment in Buckingham Palace that Prince Andrew would order flunkies to arrange five teddies and soft toys in specific positions on his bed every night and they claim that there was not only sort of a laminated picture 
of uh, of how he liked his teddies. I mean, he wasn't. This is not as a child. I mean, this is extraordinary that he would shout and scream, and or if they were not in order at Buckingham Palace staff, an ex-cop told the ITV documentary. Now they had the rather cheekily headline: Andrew's six in a bed, uh, with an asterisk saying that's him and five toys. When the Duke sleeps at Buckingham Palace, his demands include a teddy holding a heart, a teddy with necklace, cuddly black panther squishy grey hippo and another hippo on a green blanket and bizarrely there were three pillows saying daddy ducks and prince i mean it's just absolutely extraordinary isn't it i mean the, the, probably the less we think about this the better i was gonna it's... say i i don't i don't really know what else to say on that to yeah. be honest as we swiftly <laughs> move on yeah let's move on uh, this time so now prince harry has been in the headlines again because he is taking on uh, the home office uh, with regards to his security now obviously we know that at the moment he and Meghan Markle pay for their uh, as part of their plan to become financially independent they pay for private security for their new lives in the US but Harry's basically saying that he doesn't feel comfortable returning to the UK doesn't he because he doesn't isn't happy with the security levels he has here well yes I mean Fantastic story in the Mail on Sunday at the weekend, um, which which was uh, saying that Harry has opened up a new war, is, is how it was put to me, with with the uh, with the royal family after threatening to sue the British government over his protection. Now, this is coming from the Duke of Sussex, who has made the claim through his legal representatives that he is effectively living in exile because it is in quotes unsafe for his family to return to the UK and. I'll now, I'll just read you a little bit of what his legal representative had to say, because this is very interesting. And I think um, we um, we need to sort of understand where he's coming from in this, because, you know, Harry lives in uh, California. I know. Our American cousins will be able to tell me of the the, the crime problems in in the United States with with guns and uh, weapons and whatnot are very very different here in the UK. However, Prince Harry has been subject to a lot of um, trolling, a lot of hate on social medias. There was obviously. A, uh, a police investigation to do with uh, f- individuals from the far right, um, racist comments made towards his family, and so you know, by that token, Harry has got a point that he does f- not feel very safe historically of what has happened in, in you know in recent months and years. However, his legal representative said Prince Harry inherited a security risk at birth for life. He remains sixth in line to the throne, served two tours of combat duty in Afghanistan. In his recent years, his family have been subjected to well-documented neo-Nazi and extremist threats. While his role within the institution has changed, his profile as a member of the royal family has not, nor has the threat to him and his family. They go on to say that Duke of Duchess Sussex privately fund a security team for their family, yet that security cannot replicate the necessary police protection needed whilst in the UK. In the absence of such protection, Prince Harry and his family are unable to return home. Now, what does this mean? Prince Harry is essentially asking the British government to challenge the British government's decision via the Home Office, it must be said, not not the royal family, via the Home Office, to take his security detail away when he was in the UK. Now, he returned home twice last year, once for Prince Philip's funeral, and then later um, to unveil the statue of his late mother, Princess Diana, with his brother, William. 
he was given the security detail when he came back to uh, to attend Prince Philip's funeral. I imagine that's because he was within close quarters of several, you know, the whole royal family. And when he was just unveiling the statue at um, Kensington Palace, that was quite a fleeting trip. So he wasn't given the security detail and his essential risk was downgraded. Well, he is challenging that risk and saying that it is his right and he needs this security and any you know, the, the public should be paying for this because of the reasons I've just outlined from his legal representative being sixth in line to the throne, being a security risk because of his tours of duty in Afghanistan and whatnot. But it comes down to the fact that he does pay for his own security. He's, he has offered to pay the British government via, you know, Met Police for that security, but the Met Police are not for hire in this sense. Again, you could have the argument, well, the police forces around the country are hired by... Um, sports teams and for uh, sporting events every weekend around the country. But this is very, very specific. There would be, need to be armed police, there would need to be personal protection officers attached to the Royal, Secure, um, Royal Protection Unit. And I just do not think that it is something that would work. Certainly, you know, I spoke to um, um, pe people from the Metropolitan Police's Royal Protection Command both past and present, who said that this is completely unworkable and that the, you know, Prince Harry is well within his rights to bring his private security team over. You know, let's look at people of that sort of celebrity standing, Elton John, Rod Stewart, for, for you know, two names I just picked out of the air. When they're traveling back to the UK, surely they have their own private security team. And if there was a threat to their life, I'm sure they have contacts within the Met Police, within Scotland Yard that could be sharing that information um, with them to, to, to warn them of any threat. And of course the Met Police would monitor as GCHQ, MI5, MI6 would be monitoring any threat to Prince Harry and his family. So, you know, this is quite a, uh, a bizarre point to be challenging, not only the government, because it could see him face off against the Home Office at the High Court. And we've already had, gosh, some, some really extremely times in the High Court with Meghan's um, challenge to the Mail on Sunday that ended up in her favour. So maybe they have been emboldened by that decision and they feel that this is something that they can uh, that they can win on. I think they won't win. Royal sources telling me they believe that this is severely misguided. And um, again, I just think, you know, Harry could just pick up the phone and he could just try and sort out these, the, you know, this business. It doesn't need to be so fraught all the time, as uh, Di Davies told me, who was the former head of Royal Security. And I think he's quite right in that point. And lots of comparisons are being made to when Prince Charles paid for Camilla's security before their wedding, so before she officially came royal. But that was different, wasn't it? Because it was it a retired police officer that he paid. Well, again, the, you know that. What's to stop Harry doing that? He's he he, he can stop. Let's say he he doesn't want to bring his American security team. Well, I'm, I'm sure there could be old PPOs, you know, retired, retired PPOs that he could employ and um, they could potentially bring their friends in Scotland Yard and say, you know, listen, Gov, is there any, anything we need to be aware of? I don't think they'd even need to do that because the, 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 the Met Police and Scotland Yard, as I said, GCHQ would be aware of these threats anyway. So they're not going to let Prince Harry just waltz over here and leave him like a lamb to the slaughter. They're going to be on it and if there was any threat to him they would of course share that information through the official channels of the royalty 
yeah, you know, the Royal Special Command. So, um, again, I, I, again, I think this is a mountain out of a molehill, and I don't know why they've they've picked this fight because it's it's very very easily remedied. But while this all goes on, and if it does go to court, and we do have another you know, all this stuff going on in the background. What it means for the immediate is potentially we might not see the Sussexes in the UK, which means that Lilibet's now seven and she's still not met Prince Charles, Camilla, the Queen. What, you know, what does this mean for, well, both months. She's not seven. She's not, she's not seven months. She's not seven just yet. She's seven months. Seven months. Oh, did I say seven, <laughs> seven <laughs> months? Yeah. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I, again, um, sort of trumpeting all my own stories, but we did have a story this week. It's been it's been very busy, but we uh, I had a story this week about Prince Charles has made an offer to Harry and Meghan and the children to come and stay with him. He has said he's desperate to spend some time with the children. He wants to. Um, you spend some quality time with them. So when they, he said to them over video call, just in the lead up to Christmas, that if, you know, I'd love you to come and stay with me, with the kids, let's hang out, essentially. And of course, the, Harry hasn't given him a decision. And the reason we, we now presume is because he's got this thing in his head where he believes that he um, he's unsafe if he comes back to the UK. Even his, you know, his legal representative has said it's unsafe to do, to, do so. He won't be coming back to the UK while this, this situation is unresolved. Well, that's, I just feel really sad for Prince Charles because, you know, Prince Harry has done his best to cause issues within the royal family for rightly or wrongly, whatever side, I'm not going to pass judgment in this, in this sentence, but Prince Charles is desperate to see his grandchildren. He's never met Lilibet. Indeed, the whole family have never met Lilibet. They haven't seen Prince, uh, they haven't seen Archie since he was six months old. He's now two. And so, you know, if this is an extraordinary amount of time to have passed, um, I'm sure the family would would welcome them back if the grandchildren were coming back. I, I presumed Harry at least would be coming back for Prince Philip's memorial service, which is earmarked for Westminster Abbey in April. Then you have the Queen's... Uh, uh, then uh, Harry has the Invictus Games in The Hague in April as well. So, you know, would he be... It's only, only across the water, isn't it? I mean, it's it's a... It's not very far for him to come. And maybe would Meghan go to Invictus? I don't know. I don't know any of the plans. But then you have the big um, Platinum Jubilee celebrations in June. It would be unfathomable for, for them not to be there, surely. And I'm sure that both Meghan and Harry would want their children to be part of the Queen's celebrations. I mean, it's going to be a hugely historical moment and significant moment within the royal family, within their family. So, um, you know, I just... Yeah, I think it's a, it's I think it's unfortunate and it's sad for for Prince Charles that this is uh this is dragging on because he, as I understand it, he is really really, really intent in 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 furthering those relationships that he's only having on Facetime at the moment. As you said, it's it's such a shame for taking everything else out of it for grandchildren to not have that relationship with their grandparents, and the same for Harry and Meghan to not have that with their thing. You know, when you take everything else out of it, it's just missed missed moments and missed memories within the family, isn't it? But anyway, moving on now to uh, so Boris Johnson had to issue an apology last week, didn't he? After obviously we've done Daily Mirror has covered several stories about the Tory parties that have been happening uh, at Downing Street and elsewhere in the party during the pandemic last year. But there was a particularly one that's really hit people of on the eve of Prince Philip's funeral, where obviously there was that 
photo of the Queen sitting by herself, there was yet another party and Boris actually said, gave an apology to the Queen and we've got a clip of him talking about it now. So this is the first time we've seen you since reports emerged uh, in the Daily Telegraph, not denied by Downing Street, about two boozy parties held in the garden, in the buildings of Number 10, the night before Prince Philip's funeral when the country was in national mourning. Was having to apologise to the Queen about those parties the night before she put her husband of over 70 years, she laid him to rest. Was that a moment of shame for you? I, I, I deeply and, and bitterly regret uh, that, that, that that happened. And I can only uh, you know, and renew my apologies both to, uh, to Her Majesty and uh, to the country. Uh, for, for misjudgments that, that, that were made and, and for which I take full responsibility. Well, I mean, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. And if you haven't seen that footage as well, I think that, that you, can, you can not only hear it in Boris Johnson's voice, but to see him really um, floundering in that sense. He looks absolutely broken. And I don't think that's just me being subjective. He looks absolutely broken. And why wouldn't he be? I mean, the, the headlines last Friday were number 10 parties on eve of Philip funeral. This was revealed in the Daily Telegraph. It was followed absolutely everywhere. There's been acres and acres of coverage. And so um, Downing Street were forced to apologise, and uh, again, further embarrassment for the government. There has been, if you're if you're not in the UK at the moment, there has been a huge scandal about the amount of uh, bar parties and alcohol consumption uh, mixing whilst the country was in lockdown all throughout um, 2020, 2021. It would seem so. I think that there's an, an investigation going on at the moment. They're looking up to 20 parties or something. It's it's absolutely extraordinary. So I've lost track. I'm yeah, and, and, now. and let's not forget that this was a period of national mourning, hours before the Queen was, you know, again mourning alone. That that picture of her sitting alone at in St George's Chapel at Windsor Castle is ingrained in the memory of not only people in the UK but throughout the world, and it is such a historically significant photo. And number ten workers were downing booze late into the night. Um, it's absolutely extraordinary. And uh, and I think you know we'll 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 we'll, we'll follow it in due course because apparently the investigation is uh, potentially going to give recommendations or its um, its report later on this week, potentially Friday. So we I mean we could be seeing a change of prime minister by the end of the week. I think. And the Queen had her first audience with the prime minister today since that, uh, which I'm sure would have been a not an enjoyable meeting for Boris Johnson to arrive at, would you agree? Well, I mean, it's just further embarrassment, isn't it? It's just, this, this whole situation is absolutely extraordinary. Um, for, for anyone following it, it's very rare that the, the world of politics and royals collide and they have, you know, gosh, it's been an absolute yeah. explosion because... yes. Understatement there. Really yeah, I think, I think so. And, you know, the, the royals are very, very careful not to... Um, to delve into the world of politics, I mean, of course, there's been argument that it's been happening more more than ever recently with climate with climate change. Um, Prince William and and Prince Charles being in the Middle East campaigning for peace uh, between the sides. That's, that's arguably very very political. So. Um, 
yeah, this this situation is absolutely dire. And I saw a report in the paper today that the, the Queen hasn't spoken to Boris Johnson for five weeks. Um, that may be because she normally takes the, the Christmas and New Year period off and going to Sandringham. But it, again, she's not at Sandringham. She's at Windsor Castle. They've been having their meetings on the phone previously. So um, read into that what you will. It, it, it might be something, it might be nothing. But I, I, I think it's um, it's probably the former, to be honest. Now, in much nicer news, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have been out today in their first engagement of 2022. They've been at the Foundling Museum, haven't they? They have. They have returned to work on January the 19th. They have had a very long break. I mean, it must be <laughs> glorious while we've all had our noses to the grindstone. But um, anyway, they have gone to the Family Museum and it's a fantastic charity. Kate has been its patron for a few years now. And the Foundling Museum tells the story on the history of the Foundling Hospital, which was the UK's first children's charity, founded in 1739. Now, it's older than America, this place. Um, and it was this, uh, created as a home for children whose mothers couldn't keep or care of them. Now, the Foundling um, Museum played host to a number of people who work in the care sector, people who have experienced direct experience of living in care. And, um, and Kate and William, I thought it was quite you know, interesting how they've both attended this today because we could assume that it's to do with Kate's work within early child development. She's obviously um, been doing such a lot of work about social challenges, their roots being in the earliest years of a person's life. And I think we're going to see a lot more in this sphere moving forwards that's my prediction that's my mystic meg prediction <laughs> for our american listeners by the way mystic meg was a woman who predicted the lottery numbers on the lotto <laughs> for many years it's nothing to do with Meghan Markle. i'm just going to put that clear but yeah, yeah. i had a thought about that wow that's, that could be a world without mystic meg could you imagine yeah so that's my that's that's my that's my crystal ball mystic russ has predicted that we are going to see a lot more of kate in this sphere um in the in the future of this year i'm looking into the future but <laughs> william and kate going to this thing is was really really important because they they, they speak they're not only speaking to people um about you know, the challenges of young people face whilst in care but the challenges they face when they leave it including employment their housing their mental health which is you know william was speaking very very expertly about that and about the challenges that they can have with addiction and housing situations and uh and, and again the work's being done in this issue so fantastic way to kick off the year for them um really really positive i think we're going to see some real big coverage from both of them not only on the mental health issues but earlier early child development as well and a great outfit from Kate as well. As you said, it's that very kind of business back to work look. She had um, a beautiful long navy coat, um, some 130 pound trousers from Jigsaw, which are quite similar to the ones I'm wearing today, I will say, although wow. mine did not cost 130 pounds and don't look anywhere near as good on me as they do on her. So they're just basically the same color. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're the same style. They're actually a different color, but let's not get technical. Um, but she also had some, which I particularly loved and were quite different for Kate were some earrings kind of a circular earrings but they were only seven pound from accessorize as well so nice seeing a high street bargain in there too but yeah I really like that look and a lovely blow dry as always now finally and last definitely not least the story you have been teasing us with for two weeks now your uh, fantastic project that you are working with Sophie Wessex on 
please tell us um, more finally the, the birthday girl and the birthday boy <laughs> have have united for a common oh, good that's true we can sell it as that's what you were waiting for today uh, of course tell us about it of course it's, you know of course, there we go. So on Tuesday, we have re- launched a really vital, a really important campaign, and it is and it is called the Keep Kids Safe Online campaign from the Daily Mirror, launched by Sophie, Countess of Wessex, and she was so fantastic giving us her time and her expertise in her role as patron as of the NSPCC. We've heard her recently speaking. We spoke about it on the podcast a few weeks ago of that fantastic speech she gave in Brussels, speaking about the online world, the wild west of the internet. And it pricked my interest, and I was like, you know what? This is something in a sort of a wider role in the Daily Mirror that we should be looking at. We're a big campaign newspaper. We have a fantastic platform. And um, I approached her her people, as it were, and she has been absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen it, it was a fantastic full-page spread in the Daily Mirror. Sophie was on the front page under the headline, we must all talk to our children about the dangers online. And she went on to write a really interesting and factual-based op-ed saying we must protect our kids online in the online space. And so the, the Daily Mirror is campaigning on this issue. Um, and something I'm really, really proud to, to 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 bring our readers in the in the wider sense over the next few weeks. We are calling uh, for a series of demands. We're trying to beef up the online safety bill, which is going through Parliament at the moment. We're trying to force Facebook and Instagram uh, to make them safe for kids, to take away this end-to-end encryption service that they're trying to promote. We're also trying to appoint an online kids champion within the government that we're hearing some really positive things things already and also we're trying to get more help for parents and better education in schools and trying to make sure those lessons are are made compulsory within the national curriculum it's already happening but we want to see it happening on a greater scale so over the next few weeks we are going to be bringing you some fantastic um, delving into these issues, some fantastic comment and commentary and things you can really get involved with, not only if you're in the UK, but you can follow it all around the world. And um, and I was told, I was delighted to be told that the Countess of Wessex not only was you know, fully on board and supporting us, but she was really pleased with the way that it's been presented. And so I think, you know, fingers crossed, we may even get a bit of a collaboration in the future with her on this issue because she is very, very passionate about it. And if you haven't seen it, I have tweeted it a couple of times, more than a couple of times. So go and check it out on my Twitter. Yep, I will pop everything on the uh, Pod Save the Queen uh, Instagram oh, yes. Very good. Twitter as well so that everyone can read. And well done on this. It's such a fantastic campaign. I was reading it. It's something that's so important and that some for some reason tends to, doesn't always get the... Um, you know the spotlight it yeah. so yeah great work on this I'm really um, thanks yeah, I just think you know there's, there's a lot of kids who've got new devices over Christmas kids are going back to school now we've been in the pandemic it's, it's, it's had a, a, a huge huge effect Sophie said herself it's had a huge effect on kids mental health and the way that they're dealing with things so we are going to you know bring that right out into the open and with the help of the Countess of Wessex I am um, I'm really proud of it as well so thanks very much for supporting it now thank you so much to everyone for listening this week as always we are on instagram and on twitter at pod save and until next time 
Pod save the queen! 